I'd like to turn to a passage in 2 Corinthians 5. We're thinking of how it will be when Christ comes back to this earth and we see him face to face. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one will be rewarded for his deeds done in his body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the first thing that's going to happen when Christ comes again, and we are caught up to meet with him in the air, and we welcome him to this earth, He's going to set up his judgment seat. There are a few things that the Lord has told us that will happen when he comes again. And when he sets up his judgment seat, he's going to, uh, I mean, there's, there's going to be plenty of time to do it. Everything that we have done, every believer is going to stand there. Every believer from the beginning of time. And one by one, each one, it says each one, which means one by one, will be, recompense means rewarded or punished. That's the meaning of recompense. For his deeds which he did in his body, according to what he did, whether good or bad. This is a very real truth. And therefore it says in verse 11, knowing this and the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And since this is going to be true, verse 9, we have only one ambition, and that is to please him. Because if that is our ambition, then when Christ comes back, I'll be ready to meet him. I will have nothing to... Un nothing to fear. It's like a student who has prepared very well for the final examination and he sits down to write the examination and he's not afraid, there's no nervousness and he looks at the question paper and he knows the answer to every single question. And he gets a hundred percent because he's prepared for it. And there could be other students sitting in the examination hall who get all nervous when they see the question paper and say, boy, I never studied that. And I never studied the other one. I didn't even know this subject would be coming. Like we tell children, study for the subjects that will come in your final examination. We also need to make sure. I mean, I'm not saying that children should not play games. By all means, play games have a little bit of relaxation, you need to sleep. But with all that, concentrate on studying for the subjects that are coming for the final examination. What is the Lord going to test in the final examination? Judgment seat of Christ is like a final examination. It'll, every one of us has to sit for that test. What is the Lord going to test? It's good for us to know now. I don't want to get a surprise at the judgment seat and discover that I didn't prepare for the subjects that were important. 
Let me show you a couple of things that are going to be important in the final examination. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 4. Now, I'm telling you the subjects is, is, will come in the final examination so that we can prepare for it now. Here it says about don't pass judgment on others before the time. You know how all of us have got a great desire to pass judgment on others. We very rarely judge ourselves, but to pass judgment on why that person did that, or what, why did he do that, or why did she go there or behave like this. We are very quick at that. And for all those who have a great desire to judge others, what the Holy Spirit is saying, just wait. He's not saying, he's not saying don't judge. Wait. At the right time, judge. In other words, don't judge before you know all the facts. Isn't that a good rule? It says about Jesus in Isaiah 11.3, He would never judge by what his ears heard or by what his eyes saw. He would never judge by what his eyes saw or his ears heard. That's a very good rule to follow because a lot of things that our eyes see are not true. One of the biggest proofs of that is the sun. The sun that rises in the east and sets in the west. Our eyes seem to tell us that the sun is moving. In fact, for 5,300 years of human history, all human beings, all the cleverest people believe the sun was moving. For 5,000 years, people much cleverer than you and me believed the sun was moving because they believed what their eyes saw. Till a man called Copernicus in Europe decided to check up, is it really true or not? And he discovered the sun doesn't move in the solar system. It's the earth that's rotating on its axis and it looks as if the sun is moving. Lesson from that, don't believe what your eyes see. And I believe that God has allowed the sun to rise and set every day to teach us, don't believe what your eyes see. It's one of the lessons God's trying to teach you by the movement of the sun. It doesn't move. So we can be so sure, I saw him do that. I'm sure he did it. You're not, don't be so sure. Don't judge. You may not know all the facts. So, it's a very good lesson for us to stop judging by what our eyes see. Don't judge by what your ears hear also. Do you know there are sounds which our ears cannot hear? I don't know whether you know that. Even if you've got the sharpest hearing. There's a thing called a dog whistle. A dog whistle has got such a high frequency that if somebody blows it, you hear nothing because it is beyond the frequency of your ear. Your ear has got a certain frequency range only sounds within that frequency range can be heard. If it's beyond that, you can't hear it. But that dog hears it very clearly. Because the dog's ear's frequency range is more than yours and mine. It hears that whistle. That's why it's called a dog whistle. And if somebody blew a dog whistle and you say, no, there was no sound. <laughs> Don't believe what your ears hear. Your ears can't hear that, that's all. 
So I keep these two examples before me and say, Lord, <laughs> I think I'm a very clever human being. That dog knows more than me about whether there was a sound or not. It humbles me to know that there are things... I mean, a dog can pick up a smell much better than I can. It can trace a criminal, these police dogs. It can just go near a suitcase and find out if there are drugs inside it. I can't. It's amazing. So, I, when I realize these things, I, I obey the scripture which says, don't judge by what your eyes see or your ears hear. I'm not saying you shouldn't judge. Investigate more fully. Find out the full truth. Otherwise, we will pass judgment on people and afterwards say, oh, it wasn't true. I unnecessarily judge that person. Have you had experiences like that? I have had. And I regret it so much that it has taught me not to judge by what my eyes see or my ears hear until I have investigated it fully. I'm not saying we should be dumb and just ignore everything. All I'm saying is investigate it fully. Judge, but judge, don't judge before the time. So that's what it's saying here. Don't, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, don't go on passing judgment before the time. <clears throat> and what is the time? <clears throat> That is when the Lord comes. We are talking about the coming of the Lord. We are still on that subject. The Lord is coming. That is the time when you will see clearly and you will be able to judge. That brother whom you thought ah, he was he's not a serious Christian or he's you thought he was he was not much. He was not very gifted, he was sitting in the back of the hall, but he probably did such a lot for the Lord, which you knew nothing about, in secret. Maybe he, gives, he gave so much of his money for God's work, which you never knew about. And you get a shock. You mean that chap gave away so much of his money for God's work? And I didn't think much of him on the earth, and he was doing so much for, in secret for the poor people, and doing serving people in so many ways. I never knew about it. That day you will know. So many things. That is why Jesus said in that day, many who are last will be standing up first at the judgment seat of Christ. And many who are sitting up in front who you preach so well and do so many things and you think they are going to be the greatest people in God's kingdom, they'll be at the end of the queue. Because it will be shown that God was not so happy with their life, they just impressed you. So, <clears throat> he said that. He didn't say everybody who's last will come first and everybody who's first will come last. That's not what he said. There are people like Paul and Peter and all who were first, will be first in the final day too. And there are others who are lazy and last in the church today. They'll be last in the final day too. But many, not any, not all, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. It's true. Because we don't see clearly what people are doing in secret. So that's what he's saying. Don't judge till the time comes. Because when the Lord comes, there are two things he's going to expose. Here is what I said. The subjects that are going to be important in the final day. Here are two subjects that are going to be very important in the final examination. Get ready for it. Number one subject, the things hidden in darkness. Uh, what are the things hidden in darkness? First of all, our thoughts. 
And then all the things we do, which other people can't see. So when the Lord comes, He's not going to primarily reveal the things that were done in public, like, you know, the things you've done in the church, and the things you did in the presence of other believers. That is not going to be so much evident, because everybody has seen it. But the things hidden in darkness, that means darkness as far as other people in the concern, in the church are concerned. For example, all the people in your church and my church know only about 10% of your life or less than that. Because most of your life you're in your home or in the office or driving on the roads. Nobody knows whether you got angry in the car at some other driver because you were alone in the car. Nobody knows what you yelled at somebody or there's a thing called road rage. There's a lot of it in the world today. But nobody sees it. It's all dark in the darkness. Nobody sees how you behave in the office, whether there are any things you sign and take money for, which unrighteous, false statements, whether you claim money from people, from the company which you don't deserve to claim. Who knows? You look like a very holy person in the church. You sing well. Maybe you preach well too, but there's a lot of sin in private, in darkness. Things which other people can't see. Things which um, others in the church don't see. And certain things which even your wife and children don't see. What you do in the office. Maybe Things which are appear right in the eyes of men, but not right in the eyes of God. Those are some of the things hidden in darkness. And the other area of darkness is our thought life. And our thought life, <laughs> even your wife cannot know. Even if you're married for 50 or 75 years, your wife does not know what's going on in your thoughts. You can be a thoroughly impure man in your thoughts and externally look like a very faithful husband. But it will come out in the final day. Subjects that are going to be important in the final examination. Number one, the things hidden in darkness. It's God's word. Things in your private life, and things in your thought life. The thoughts, for example, I believe that you can live with your wife for 50, 60 years and she cannot know whether you love money. Because it's so easy to pretend that you don't love money. Just be generous now and then and let everybody know about your generosity. And people say, oh, he doesn't love money. He gave so much money here. But that's not the test. What we love, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, in other words, what your mind is mostly thinking about, that is your real treasure. If your mind frequently thinks, thinks about the things of God, 
that is your treasure. I don't mean you neglect your earthly work or your family responsibilities. You do all that. I'm talking about times when your mind is free. Our mind is not <coughs> occupied 24 hours. No. Nobody's mind is occupied 24 hours. We sleep six or seven hours and the rest of the time we are not always thinking of work. We have to do our work. Students have to think of their studies. All that is okay. But when our mind is free from our studies and free from our work and free from your housework, mothers, when the mind is free, where does it go to? That is the test of where our treasure is. And there in my free time, if I'm always thinking of, how can I be richer? How can I make more money? That's where your treasure is. Somebody else may be thinking, well, what can I do for the Lord now? That's where his, his treasure is. But who knows that? Not even your wife. I've used an illustration sometimes to help this. The Bible says in Colossians 3, set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things on the earth. You know that verse, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is at the right hand of the Father and not on the things of the earth. And the way I illustrate it, you know, we have to think about many things on the earth. We have to concentrate on our work. When you drive the car, you have to concentrate on the car. You have to make sure your car is working. A wife has to concentrate on cooking food and looking after the children. So the illustration I've used is of a rubber band. See, for example, if this is a picture of this top part is a picture of heaven and this bottom of this pulpit is a picture of earth. If I tie a rubber band to this uh, mic here, that is my mind set on the things above, and I have to stretch it to the things of earth for eight hours for my work, stretched. And for one or two hours of driving on the road, it is stretched to earthly things or your Wives and mothers have to stretch it to look after your children and looking after the cooking and everything. It may be 10 or 12 hours. The mind is stretched to so many things on this earth. Absolutely right. We have to be faithful in that. Now my question is, when you're finished all your work, when this work is all done and the rubber band is released, it goes back up here to the things above. But with most Christians, it is not like that. The rubber band is tied down here at the bottom. And then it's stretched up church service time for one or two hours. And maybe 15 minutes of reading the Bible a day. And then when that exercise is over, two hours on a Friday or Sunday, it's released back to the things of earth now how to make more money and what pleasure can I get from somewhere. This is the difference. It doesn't mean that a man who set his mind on things above doesn't care for things of earth. He does his work or not much more faithfully than the other person whose mind is set on the things of earth because God helps him. So setting your mind on things above, the way to test it is when you are released from during the day from all earthly responsibilities, even if it's only for 15 minutes a day, because you were so busy that day, where does your mind go to? There you know, if you want to know about yourself, where your treasure really is. 
I'm telling you a subject is going to be important in your final examination. So, that, those are things hidden in darkness. Nobody knows. You don't know about me. <laughs> Even if you've heard me preach for years, you can think there's a very godly man and he's always thinking about heaven and all that. It may not be true. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know what I'm thinking about when I'm alone, by myself. I don't know about you either. But one day I will know everything about you. And I'll tell you something. One day you'll know everything about me as well. Because it'll all be exposed. And the other thing, here's another subject that's going to be important in the final day. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Um, first of all, the things hidden in darkness, I explained that. And second, the motives of men's hearts. In other words, not what you did, but why you did it. In the final day, what you did will be important, but why you did it will be much more important. Ten marks for what you did, ninety marks for why you did it. I'm not saying what you did is not important. What you said, important, ten marks. Why you said it, ninety marks. Think if you evaluate your life like that, we can do so many good things and get 10 marks, 10 marks, 10 marks, and we are losing 90 marks all the time. Because the motive with which you did it may have been completely wrong. It may have been for your own honor. Take, matter like, take something like preaching. Isn't preaching a very good thing? Very good. Think of reaching out to the world through television, etc., and everybody admires a person who preaches so powerfully. But God, okay, ten marks, clear gospel, he has preached. But he still fails because the ninety marks goes for the motive. And his motive may be, I want to get money from these people. I want these old people to come up with an offering for my ministry or my church. Or maybe I... I don't need their money, but I want their honor. I, I want them to think of me as a great preacher or something like that. Motive. 90 marks for motive, 10 marks for the sermon. Or some other thing you did for the Lord, 10 marks for that. Very well done. 90 marks for why did you do it? A lot of, lot of us do, many of us do some things for the Lord. It's excellent. You do things for the Lord. Very good. Give yourself 10 marks if you did it very well. And then give 90 marks for the motive with which you did it. And you'll suddenly discover that you have failed in that subject. Where you thought you had passed. The hidden motives of the heart is going to be very, very important in the final day. Subjects that are important in your final examination. Concentrate on those subjects. This is how we can be ready for the coming of the Lord. What if we have failed in our past life? Thank God we can confess it. Ask the Lord to forgive. You know, very often we are quick to ask the Lord to forgive us some, something we actually did which other people saw. Something wrong. Other people knew about it and I said it right. But we are not so careful 
to confess thoughts that were bad or an attitude to somebody else that was not good. Can you think of the last time you confessed to the Lord an attitude of yours towards some other brother that was not good? And then when you went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm very really sorry I had this wrong attitude towards that person or that sister. When was the last time you did that? Or when was the last time you went to the Lord and said, Lord, I, that is a good thing I did, but my motive always was to get some glory for myself. I did that in the church, but I wanted everybody to know it. And I wanted to get some glory for myself. I get 10 out of 100 for what I did. And the other question, 90, zero. 90%, zero. You know, if you evaluate yourself like this, you'll be ready for the final examination. I'm telling you, before God, that's what I do. I prepare for my final examination. I take it seriously, just like you tell your children to prepare for the subjects that are coming in the final examination. I prepare for my final examination. I prepare for the subjects that are important there. And Bible knowledge is not going to be important in that day. I'll tell you that. Bible knowledge is useful on the earth. If I can apply it to my life, I can use it to preach to others. But in that day, there are no marks for Bible knowledge. Very important to teach our children that. Your children may be doing well in school. I remember when my children were small and every year in school they would have a prize-giving day. And the children, when they, if my children came back with a prize to the house, first thing we do as soon as we enter the house, we say, okay boys, let's pray. First thing. Let's thank the Lord that he helped you to win something, do it well, win these prizes, let's give glory to the Lord. And then I would tell them, now keep these prizes away somewhere in your room. Don't display them in the sitting room for everybody to see. It's not important. Your report card and all, keep it away. Don't show it to anybody. Show it to daddy and mommy, yes, but not to others. And then I would tell them, I used to do this regularly, every year. Remember, my sons, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to ask you how much you got in physics, how much you got in maths, how much you got in social studies, or no. There were 800 students sitting there in the school today who never got any prizes, who disappointed and went home. But I say some of them may have been better than you in being kind to others, and in helpful in the class and being friendly, they'll get a better prize than you. You got a prize over here. This is not going to count in the Day of Judgment. I said that to them every year. I hope you will tell your children what is important in the final examination. The real final examination that's coming for all of us. The things that are hidden, in, that are done in secret. Jesus said, if you give money, don't let your, even your left hand know what your right hand has done. <coughs> give it in secret. Don't let anybody, as far as possible, don't let anyone know. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Because if you want to give a large gift to a ministry, um, you have to give it in a check. Then of course people will know. There you have not disobeyed the command. Because some people say, oh I can't give it in a check because everybody will know I gave it. No, it's perfectly okay. 
The question is, what is your motive? Not whether people knew that you're the one who gave it, but why did you want people to know? If you did not want people to know, you're perfectly clear, 100%. Even though you gave it in a check and the treasurer there knew that you're the one who gave that money, perfectly okay. Because your motive was not, everybody must know that I gave that money. You, you did it that way because that was the only way to give a large amount of money as a gift. A lot of people in our church drop checks because you can't put so much money into an offering box. They are not guilty. They're not trying to show how much they gave. They don't want it. So don't feel guilty about that. Motive. What is your motive? What's your motive in writing that check so that everybody should know that you gave it? No. Your motive is, I don't know how else to give such a large amount. I can't give so many currency notes in there. Motive, motive. And I'll tell you, the only person who knows the motive is you. Don't judge another person in this area. Because when we judge others, there's something else that's going to happen in the day of judgment. Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 7. It's good to know these things. Matthew chapter 7. He said. Verse 1. Uh, sorry. Verse 1 is don't judge lest you be judged. Verse 2 tells us how we will be judged. In the same way. That you judge you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. In other words, have you been very hard in judging other people? God will be very hard in judging you. Have you been very strict in judging other people? God will be very strict in judging you. Have you been lenient and merciful in judging others. God will be lenient and merciful in judging you. It's good to know that now. Matters that are important for the final examination. In the way you judge others, you will be judged. So it says here in the next verse, don't keep looking at the speck in your brother's eye. You know, we see something wrong, small thing wrong in a brother or a sister. And immediately you go around telling other people, Oh, did you see that sister, How what she was wearing or this thing or that thing? What is that brother was doing? Did you see? Okay, fine. You will be judged in the same way when you stand before the Lord. For some small little thing you did wrong, the Lord will pick up on, pick you on, pick you up on that because... That's the way you judged all the other people. Some small, irrelevant, unimportant thing you went around judging others on. God will do exactly the same to you. Be ready for the final examination. I've often said in my home church, my brothers and sisters, if you listen to me and take seriously all that I teach you from God's word, it's like these tutorial colleges that train people for medical college examination and IIT entrance test and medical college entrance test, how 
they say guaranteed good results come here to our tutorial college for one year and i say the same thing take everything that you hear in cfc that we preach seriously guaranteed you can even get 100% in the final examination yes you can get it take these things seriously don't just hear it today and forget it tomorrow please till christ comes take these things seriously you see a speck in a brother's eye don't leave it he has not asked you to remove it first of all remove the beam from your eye you know what the beam is have you ever meditated on lord what is this log in my eye i'll explain to you you can preach it in your next sermon the log is a judgmental attitude to that brother got it that is the log a judgmental attitude to that brother small little mistake in him i'm telling you seriously if you take these things really to heart you'll be ready for the final examination without a doubt let me show you another verse in james in chapter 1 james chapter 2 Don't get discouraged if you don't know these verses. I am a teacher. God has appointed me as a teacher of the word. It is my responsibility to teach the word accurately, correctly, to show you the verses that you don't know, to show you the verses that are important for the final examination. That's my job. That's what a school teacher does. A school teacher says, "Listen, these are the subjects to students. This is what is coming in the final examination. Please prepare for it." That's exactly what I'm doing. Here is another verse James chapter 2 and verse 13 It's a very it's a scary verse Some verses in the Bible are scary Judgment from God will be merciless to one who did not show mercy to other people But mercy must triumph over judgment in your case In other words you come to a particular situation where somebody has done something wrong that has affected you and you can be merciless in the way you judge that person and punish that person because you got authority you may be a father a mother you may be a, a boss in the office or an elder in a church and you're merciless in the way you treat that person you wouldn't treat your own son or daughter like that but this person is not my son or daughter you're merciless remember one thing when your final examination comes before the lord the lord will be just as merciless to you so this verse says so in my mind when something happens like that it says there's judgment and mercy and it says here let mercy get the victory in that struggle that goes on in your mind when a particular wrong was done by somebody and i say should i judge that or be merciful let mercy triumph over judgment it says there I'm not saying that we should ignore the mistakes people do. But in our disciplining there must be mercy. That's how God is. And that's when you know Jesus, eternal life is to know Jesus Christ. Jesus said that in John 17:3, this is eternal life that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I see in Jesus Christ mercy, mercy, mercy. I love that story of 
the woman caught in adultery. Adultery is a terrible sin. It's a terrible, terrible sin. I find even among Christians nowadays, they don't take it seriously. Adultery, fornication, sexual sin with someone you're not married to, even in your thoughts. It's a terrible, terrible sin or watching somebody committing sexual sin. That's what pornography is. Watching someone committing sexual sin. That is my definition of pornography. And you sit and watch it. And some people even pay money to watch it. Okay? Uh, it's a sad thing if such a person calls himself a believer. But it's a terrible sin. But if we are not careful about these things, about judging others, we need to be merciful. Jesus looked at that woman. It was a terrible sin and the law of God was very strict. Women who commit adultery must be stoned to death. Not because God loved stoning people, not at all. But it's because God had to teach Israel adultery is a serious sin. A, man, a woman must be faithful to her husband. A man, a man must be faithful to his wife. And the way he taught that seriousness was if a man and a woman commit adultery, both of them must be stoned to death. So, this, man, this woman is brought before Jesus by the Pharisees and they tell Jesus, Moses said this woman must be stoned to death. What they did not know was that Jesus himself gave that law to Moses 1500 years earlier when he was in heaven. He was the one who told Moses from heaven, women caught in adultery must be stoned to death. The same person who is sitting here now was the one from heaven who said that 1500 years earlier. And now the question comes, are you going to keep that law? And Jesus, I like that. I've learned something from that myself. It says he scribbled on the sand. I know what he was doing. He was a man like us. He was saying, Father, what should I say? That is the law. I cannot change the law. What should I say? And he gets a word from the Father. Tell them, the one who is without sin, throw the first stone. So he says it. It's a wonderful thing. I learned something from that. To listen to the Father in tricky situations. What shall I say? I've been in situations like that. Where I say, Lord, what shall I say? Give me a word. And Jesus says, One without sin, cast the first stone. Now, some of those Pharisees could have pretended, yeah, there's no sin in my life, but he knew that if he dared to say that, Jesus would publicly reveal all his past sins because he knew that Jesus could see through people. So he said, I better go away quietly. So one by one, starting at the eldest, they all left. Till there was one man left who was without sin, who could throw the stone according to Jesus' own teaching. And that was Jesus himself. He could have done what he himself said, practiced what he preached, take a stone. But what did he do? Beautiful. If you don't, if you haven't seen that verse, you must see it. John chapter 8, verse 11. He looked at her and said, as no one condemned you, verse 10, John 8, verse 11, and she said, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mercy triumphed over judgment. Even though there was a law which said, you must stone the woman caught in adultery. Jesus was the one who gave that law. He had the right not to do it. I love that. To me, it's a very precious passage of scripture that teaches me. He didn't say, uh, be careful. He didn't say, oh, adultery, it's not a serious thing. It doesn't matter. I mean, we all sin. Never mind. He didn't say that. It's a very serious sin. Don't sin again. Don't ever go and commit adultery again. That is the balance. I've often said that in CFC, we preach the full gospel. And the full gospel, some people say, is Jesus is Savior, Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is healer, and Jesus is coming King. What about Jesus is the overcomer, Revelation 3.21? And you must overcome as I overcame. That's not even there. Healer, I'll tell you honestly, I don't care if I'm not healed all my life of some sickness. I can still please the Lord and go to heaven. I want to be saved from sin. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's coming king. But here is the full gospel we preach in CFC. Two sentences that Jesus says, number one, I don't condemn you. Number two, don't sin again. That is the full gospel. All in one sentence, John 8, 11. Number one, no condemnation. Because Christ has died for my sins and all of it is blotted out. His blood was shed for me. He hung on the cross and he was cursed for me so that the curse will never come upon me. No condemnation. Zero condemnation. What's the second part of the full gospel? Never sin again. That's the part which is left out. That is the full gospel. John 8, 11. Tell me where you hear it preached. I traveled in many churches and I never heard it preached. For years and years and years and years till I saw it in scripture. And I said, I'm going to preach it myself. Tell me, show me some place where this gospel is preached. No condemnation as far as the past is concerned. Future, don't sin again. That's all we preach in scripture. Mercy for the past. Strength and power to overcome sin in the future. So... What shall we do about failures that we have made in our life? We have blundered and we failed. Confess it. As soon as you confess it, if we, 1 John 1 9, if we, if we are faithful to confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful promise! And it doesn't take time. It's immediate. And not only cleansed. Hebrews 8.12 I will not remember your sins anymore. That's even better. That means when God looks at my past life, He looks at me as if I've never sinned in my whole life. Doesn't that give me great boldness? I've often thought of it like this. Supposing I had never committed one sin in my life. Thought, word, deed, attitude, motive, no sin. How bold I will be to stand before God and say, God, I've never sinned in my life. I can come freely to you. 
that is the boldness I have because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It has blotted out my past, cleansed me. I acknowledged it, he cleansed me and he says, I will not remember it. Other human beings will remember. Okay, let them remember, that's their business. But God says, I will not remember and I only care for God's opinion. But then, what about after that? What about the second part of the full gospel? I don't condemn you. Finished. Now I need to overcome. Now, you know, in the final day, the Bible says that we read that, that everything I did in my life will be, we saw that at the beginning in 2 Corinthians 5, whether good or bad, will be exposed in the final day. And I don't know how it's going to be done, but the way I picture it is, it's a human, many things about heaven are a picture, we don't know it fully. But I think it will be something like this, that God will, on some type of video screen, show the whole world, all believers who were there in, from the beginning of time till now, will show my whole life on a video screen. One by one our turn will come. And I think of my turn coming and my whole life will be shown there from the time I was, from the time I was born again. Because before born again is, I was unconverted. But from the time I was born again, uh, all my life, my thoughts, my words, deeds, my attitudes, my motives, everything will be on that screen. And whatever, was, whatever I confessed will be blotted out. Whatever I did not confess will be there on the screen. Whatever I forgave others will be wiped out. What I didn't forgive others will be there on the screen. If I hurt somebody and I apologize, it's wiped out. If I hurt somebody and I did not apologize, it's there on the screen. So on the screen, there's going to be a complete record of my life. Uh, so some people will say, That's what, and then what, what about all these things I did wrong? Whatever you did wrong is going to be erased. It will not be on the screen. So people say, well, then it doesn't matter. Because everything I did wrong, I confess, and nobody will see a single sin that I have committed. Correct. But when they see all these big gaps in between, which is wiped out, wiped out, they'll be wondering, what were you doing during that time? Which had to be wiped out. It's going to be pretty embarrassing. I'll tell you. And we'll be rewarded according to how we lived our life. So mere cleansing doesn't solve the problem. It's erased from the tape, but there's a huge section of blank tape which should have been filled with a lot of good things. And people don't need much of an imagination to think what you were doing in those blank spots. Even if it's wiped out, they know, ah, I know. And there's another big blank spot there, another big one. They say, I know what this guy was doing. I don't want that. I want to live before God. I hope you want to live before God to be ready for Christ's coming. I have tried my best to prepare you for the final examination. If you take it seriously, I believe you will thank me, because I'm going to be there at the judgment seat of Christ along with you. 
And if you take it seriously, I believe you'll thank me. Thank you, Zach, for telling me that. I decided that day to prepare for my final examination. And I'm getting good marks today because you showed me the subjects that were coming. Because until that day I was concentrating on so many other subjects which were not coming in the final examination. But I decided from that day onwards to concentrate on the subjects that come. I have many times pictured in my mind, you know, we must use our imagination. I've said to myself like this, in my unconverted days I use my imagination to think of all types of filthy things just like you. Why can't I use my imagination now to think of something good things? So I use my imagination now to think of the judgment seat of Christ. I shut my eyes and I imagine that Christ has come it's because it's true. He's going to come and I imagine that he set up his judgment seat and he's judging people one by one, different people's names are being called for this interview and there it's going to be displayed on the screen and the Lord looks through the record and then my turn will come. And what will there be in my record? I'll say, Lord, I want you to look through the record and to say, there's nothing to be judged. Do you know there's a verse like that? 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 that you can stand before the Lord one day and the Lord can say, there's nothing to be judged in your life. Please read this verse. 1 Corinthians 11. If, and verse 31. 1 Corinthians 11, 31. If we judged ourselves rightly, we will not be judged that day. Thank God. And that is, I say before God, this is the truth. Once I understood this truth many years ago, I have judged myself every single day. Anything that I see was wrong many times a day. I judge myself and I say, Lord, that was not right. I want to get rid of it. Forgive me. If I've hurt somebody, I go immediately and ask forgiveness. Because I want to get to this verse. We will not be judged. Lord, I want that in my life that I've judged myself so faithfully that in that day God says there's nothing to judge in your life. It's all clear. Don't you want to hear those words? In conclusion, I have one verse to read before we close. And that is in 1 John chapter 2. We earlier read 1 John chapter 3 that when the Lord comes, uh, if we really wait for his coming, we'll purify ourselves as he is pure. Just before that, it speaks about the Lord's coming again. That's what we've been thinking throughout this evening, the coming of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2 is written to believers. Please take this very seriously. Let me paraphrase it so it will be easier for you to understand. Dear believers, when Christ appears, there are going to be two groups of believers. One group will say, Lord, I'm ready for you. I'm waiting for you. Glad to see you. And another group will shrink away. Try to run away. You mean to say there are people who are going to run away when Jesus comes back? Read the Bible. It's in your Bible. 
when he appears some will have boldness and others will shrink away from him instead of going up to meet him they'll shrink away where can we go who is this written to is he writing to all you unbelievers listen no little children abide in him he is writing to believers two groups of believers when christ comes those who are bold to meet him and those who shrink away lord lord we're not ready in shame why because they heard messages like this and they didn't take it seriously they said oh it'll be it'll be all right it'll be all right that's exactly what the devil says it'll be all right it'll be all right and then one day christ has come and you're not ready because you said on such and such a date 35 years ago i accepted jesus into my heart that's not enough brother jesus said john 10 27-28 my sheep hear my voice and they follow me therefore i give them eternal life have you read it go to john 10 27-28 my sheep hear my voice and they follow me i give them eternal life it's not that 35 years ago i asked jesus to come to my heart a lot of people are deceiving themselves with that is not only a narrow gate that leads to life jesus said there's a narrow gate a narrow way that leads to life coming to the starting line does not mean you have finished the race let us run the race and get to the finishing line the starting line is being born again are you going to be at the finishing line or not Let's pray. <clears throat> I believe we have heard some very serious and important things today. It was not meant to entertain us. It was meant to prepare you seriously for the final examination. Thank God you came today. Thank God you didn't find something else more important that you missed this meeting. and if you haven't heard everything clearly this message is online on youtube you contact cfc sharja they'll tell you where it is you can listen to it again you can pass it on to people who could not come here great way of witnessing heavenly father help us we pray each one to be ready for your coming to take the things of your word seriously we pray in jesus name amen